Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you're listening to a new episode of Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Turn it up. Yeah! All right, crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there? Hope you guys are doing well. You guys getting ready for the holiday season. It's coming fast upon us. I want to thank everybody for joining in to episode 158 today. We've got a very special guest. We're going to be talking uh, to Pierre from the campaign Rebo Bottle. Uh, we're going to talk about a smart water bottle that's uh, cleaning the planet as you drink. So big ideas and a very cool water bottle. And, uh, and this campaign, mind you, whenever I don't know when you're listening to this, but we've only got about seven days to go in the campaign. Um, so if you want to go and back this campaign, you need to do it now. Do not wait. So as you guys know, we haven't done a lot of podcast episodes in the last... Uh, couple months. I think our last one we talked about was, uh, was an equity campaign called Leak Swipe. So that was a while ago. Uh, so what's been going on? Why, why the uh, crickets in the podcast land? Well, uh, I am recording this in uh, our new office in downtown Farmington here. Yes, that's right. Crowd is loving it. Crowd is loving it. So yes, we are in a new office and um, it's, it's more of a closet slash office. It's smaller. Um, it's, there is a lot of space, but uh, we, we have the back portion of it. So it's sort of like a co-work space, I guess you could describe it as. Um, but as we're going, we're learning a whole bunch of stuff about what it's like to be, uh, not be completely remote again. We've got, <laughs> got that going on. So you hear that? I got, I got a guy sick next to me, so he's coughing. He's coming and going as I'm doing an episode. So we've got a lot of new factors that have to sort of be uh, taken into. But all in all, though, this, is, this has been a, a really big thing for us in the company. I mean, we've been remote for almost five years. Um, so I've actually not, not even really seen half the people that either I work, uh, with me or my team members or our clients. So this is something that's giving us sort of a, um, a nice, uh, a nice place to sort of come together, talk about some quick things. Cause again, you learn a lot of stuff when you're in the remote land, uh, only. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, you get into when you're re constantly remote is everything is like even small, small answers to questions will sometimes be an hour, you know, whenever somebody logs back in, um, so it, it, I don't know if it's that very, I don't know if it's that efficient, but you know, well, we're going to see how efficient a, a small office is. Uh, so we got that going on. So yeah, so this is, uh, I just recorded the first episode with Pierre from the new space. Um, if you're in the video land, you're going to see a cool sign behind us that, uh, you know, the artwork behind us, but yes, yeah, so a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, and, and we're finishing up the year here too. So we're going to have a couple episodes before the year ends. And then our goal for the podcast too, if you've been a regular listener, is that we're going to really come back hard next year and, and try to get back to our our, um, uh, our idea of having two episodes a week. Uh, that's what we're going to try to get to. We've got a new podcast producer that's just come on to help us with that as well. So a lot of cool stuff over here. We're growing. But, uh, but yeah, so that's what's been going on. So if you guys can do us a favor, make sure if you are a fan of the podcast, go over to iTunes now, subscribe leave us a review. Tell us that you love it. Maybe tell your mom that you like it. Maybe uh, give us as a Christmas gift, uh, you know, like, hey, you should listen to this. That would be a great Christmas gift. You know, you make a little card, you write in there, I think you should listen to Successfully Funded, something along those lines. Um, so maybe go and, uh, and do that. That would be really wonderful. Also, go to our website, woodshed.agency. Make sure you read some blogs, click on some stuff, come to our events, all, all kinds of stuff for you guys to do and get intertwined into our world. So, um, but yeah, so I think that's enough of me rambling. So again, hopefully you guys, uh, this, hopefully this sounds really good from the new office. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm sure it does. I'm sure it all sounds amazing out there. 
All right, why don't we go ahead and kick my conversation with Pierre from the campaign Rebo Smart Bottle. All right, here we go. Pierre. So let's start off with a quick sound check before we really jump into the, the, the big tough questions. So uh, what did you have correct. for breakfast this morning? I knew I was going to get this question. Yeah, that's, that's my standard first question. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, so I had some bread and uh, jam and some tea. Now, is Good this like, like any homemade jam? Is it, any, is it fancy jam? It is. It is. No, no. Homemade for my mom. Oh, nice. The bread was homemade by me. Jeez, that's... And that's... the tea, well, I couldn't go that far. Right, you didn't go that far? No. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I, I think we're sounding good here. This, uh, everything sounds good. So why don't we jump in? Why don't you first start off by telling my listeners kind of what your project is and where they can find it? Yeah. So I've launched a campaign on Indiegogo about three weeks ago. It's called Rebo, R-E-B-O. And it's, let's say, a reinvented bottle. It is a smart bottle, and what we say that is the first bottle that cleans the planet as you drink. Uh, so basically, it's a bottle that is so smart <laughs> that not only tracks how much water you're drinking in order to give you a hydration plan, but also knows how much plastic you're saving. And based on the plastic that you're saving, we create some credits uh, that then sp- uh, sponsor the, the collection of plastic with our partner that is called the Plastic Bank. That's really awesome. Uh, and I think these are the types of projects that are, are doing really well right now where they have that sort of social cause sort of underneath it. So kind of what was something that sort of like, like the inspiration, how did you get inspired to, you know, not just make a water, you know, just make a water bottle, make a water bottle. But how did you kind of think about having sort of a bigger picture behind your product? Yeah. So I, I come from a career in a big corporation, uh, Procter & Gamble. And I've been doing a few projects on sustainability in that space. And uh, the last project that I did was uh, a shampoo, which was made of plastic collected in the ocean uh, for the brand Head & Shoulders. It was a big first for the corporation. It was something which really opened my eyes to the problem of plastic waste, but also on the consumer side and the fact that consumers were interested in finding solutions. And so, you know, I got to study a bit more the problem. I quickly discovered how much of the problem was connected to plastic water bottles because we are using a million plastic water bottles every minute. Imagine that. And so I thought, well, if I want to tackle the problem, maybe plastic water bottles are a good place to start. And that's where the idea was born. And, and there was a big intuition behind, which was every time you're using a reusable bottle, uh, you're doing something good for the planet. There mm-hmm. must be a way of capturing that something good. And then, again, that's, that's how we got to the idea. That's cool. So, you know, for, for our listeners who, you know, obviously can't see it right now, uh, kind of walk me through, like, how does this work? Uh, I mean, I, ideally for the, I guess for the, you know, the end user, they're, they're just filling it up like water, right? They're just putting water in their water bottle. But what's sort of happening kind of behind the scenes in terms of the tech? Um, is there an app that drives it? Like, like what's happening? Like, how's somebody using it in their day-to-day life? Yeah. So it's, it's actually pretty simple to use for a consumer because you're getting your bottle. The bottle is equipped with a smart cap. In this smart cap, you're going to have a sensor. It's a time of flight sensor. So it's what a lot of fancy phones would use, would use now in order to measure the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, so the sensor would send this laser signal every time you're using the bottle. So every time you're opening or closing it, measure the level of water in it, um, process this information, and then send it to your phone through uh, Bluetooth uh, low energy. And so the phone would get the information and based on how much you've been drinking, we'll be calculating what is your daily intake. 
and also based on your physical activity, which you can choose to have the app access your data from Apple Health, mm-hmm. um, my Fitness Pal, Fitbit, whatever it is, it will give you a customized hydration plan. So, you know, Jeff, if you are a big runner and today you run whatever, five miles, uh, you would know that you would need to drink that extra amount of water in order to compensate for that and stay hydrated. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, as somebody who does, uh, if, if you've listened to a lot of episodes, I talk about, I, I do Bikram yoga, right? So very hot. Uh, so I sweat, you know, I, I've sweated out things that I did not know uh, existed in my, in my body. Um, so I'm constantly on those days drinking just gobs and gobs of water. And I've, even for myself, so I mean, here's, here's, here's mine. It's not as fancy as yours, but you know, you know, now That's I've been asking, enough. yeah, so I've been asking questions of like, actually, how much am I drinking every day? You know, like, you know, cause I'm now I, you know, I got the watch. So I measure my sleep. I, I put my food in, but I was like, did I drink three of these today? Five of these today? One of these today? What did I actually drink? So yeah. it seems like you're solving something that I'm actually starting to ask myself as to how much am I actually well, that's good to know. That's good to know. Now, the problem is if you do Bikram yoga, I don't know what kind of app will be tracking that. Uh, um, yeah. Well, they have just the, they have the plain just yoga one. And I'm like, yeah, this was not just plain yoga because I'm, you know, uh, I'm on the verge of dying right now. So, yeah, I think I've done more than 300 calories right now. Well, there you go. Yeah. No, but it's, it's good that you're saying it's something that you're needing. And, uh, you know, we've been seeing a lot of people actually buying apps on the Apple Store to track their water intake, but manually. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of painful to do. So sure. Sure. Uh, that's also why we said, well, this, this could be, you know, a lot of people could use one of these. Now, is this your first time sort of diving into the space of, of crowdfunding and product launching and product development? Like, is this particularly for you, is this your first time kind of diving into that world? Well, crowdfunding, yes. Mm-hmm. Product launching, product development, not at all. Because mm-hmm. that, that's what I've been doing in a very, very different way in the sense yeah. I was developing shampoos. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I've been doing for the past eight years. So uh, this is quite different, though. It's quite different because it's very... You know, it's from beginning to the end. Uh, sure. When you're in a big corporation, you take care of a very small part. Whereas when you are doing your own product and you're launching it on crowdfunding, it's, you know, it goes from the, from the name to the idea to the actual execution and to the media buying. Which one have you found? Or do you find that you're in, you know, being on both sides of the, of the coin here, is there something that you're finding that I really like having control of everything? I, if I want to change the name, I'll change the name, right? Or whatever it might be. Do you find yeah, that you I, like I, that more than the, uh, you just work on I, this one thing? I do. I do. So and I, I did like that, that one a lot. And uh, I, you know, the fact of being in control, it's definitely helping. Um, but also it's, it's, it's very helpful to be able to react because when you're developing just a little part of it, you know, if you're just developing the name or whatever, the, the marketing around it, but then you're not buying the media, it's very hard to react to what you're seeing and what you're learning from consumers uh, rather than, uh, you know, being able to do all that because you got full control and you have a, a view on 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. Now, what has been maybe like the biggest roadblock in the last, you know, since you started this project to now, what's been your biggest roadblock? Well, I would say from development standpoint, the technology was, was pretty hard to crack mm-hmm. uh, in the sense that, you know, you're trying to put a lot of tech in a very small space and you're trying to make it affordable. And especially not being a hardware engineer or a software engineer, that makes it even harder. So. Sure. You know, we had to do a lot of research, partner with some people that have enabled us to, to bring it to life. But it, it took a while, let's say. Sure. When, when you were sort of exploring that, you mentioned that you had to, you know, it sounds like find some help, which is totally great. You know, like you, you had to reset, uh, realize that. What were you started as you kind of were going through these processes? What are some of the things or red flags that were popping up that you were like, you know what, I, I need to go get the expert in this field or I need to source this. 
what were some of those moments as you're kind of going along that maybe other you know, people making a product would go, oh, I, I, I don't have to really do everything. Sometimes there's an expert that can do it better. What, what were some of those for you? You know, at the beginning, you believe that you know how to do things and then you keep on hitting walls. Mm -hmm. So for me, the hitting the wall was the kind of realization moment. When you hit more than one uh, for the same reason, then that's when you start wondering, hey, maybe I need to get the help for somebody else because they will tell me better how to do this one. Sure. Um, and then on the other side of that, I mean, what's maybe the moment uh, that you really felt like you actually had something you know, you got through the blockage, you got that first prototype, it actually worked, it, you know, the, the data, you know, came out of it, whatever it is. What, what was that? Was there a moment that you just were like, yeah, this is bigger than, you know, a, uh, just a sketch or an idea? Yeah, I think there was a combination of a couple of moments. So definitely getting the prototype in your hand was one of those and, and seeing the technology actually working and, and tracking effectively your, your intake was, was definitely one. Mm -hmm. The other one was also the smoke testing, you know, because we'd been doing a lot of research and a lot of consumer research to try to figure out whether consumers would buy that. Um, but that was really qualitative. So in the moment we actually put it out and we made, you know, what I call a smoke test, I think there's lots of different ways of calling it, but we actually realized whether people would be interested in buying it. And, you know, numbers were good. And that, that's where you were like, okay, that's good. I haven't been dreaming something that nobody wants to buy. Mm -hmm. Right. And how about, let's flip over a little bit more back to the kind of like you on the personal level. I mean, so, you know, at, you're, you're at a company, you know, you're, you're, you've got a job. What starts that process for you to say, you know what, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go solve this. I'm going to jump into this, you know, endeavor, uh, and, and try to launch a product. What was happening for you personally, maybe behind the scenes that made you decide that I, I wanted to go ahead and jump into something like this? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, for, in my case, launching my own company is something that I've always had in my mind. So it was more of a matter of, when is the right moment and what kind of product or, or, or idea is going to be the right one. And so what happened is that, you know, you, you start to get the kind of mid senior level where you've got your eight, 10 years to experience. So you're like, okay, I've learned quite a bit. Um, but I, I believe that when you get to that point, it's actually even harder to make the jump because you say, well, mm. I'm getting into comfort zone in a way. Right. Um, but you know, then, then things change and, uh, and, and you realize you're, you're falling out of love with the job you've been doing for seven years. And you say, well, you know, maybe I got a good idea. The planet really needs it. I feel like giving it a try. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of combination and things start to align and, and you just feel like, okay, it's either now or never, you know, because right, right. The, the longer you wait, the harder it's going to be, it's going to be. So. And did you have like family in your ear? Did you have other people kind of, what are you doing? Of course. You know? <laughs> of course. And yeah. my mother couldn't even understand what I was trying to do. So I imagine explaining her you're quitting the job for something she cannot understand, you know? Yeah. Well, I bring that up because I think that that's something that everybody who's, start, who's doing a crowdfunding campaign, myself included, I mean, I've run a gazillion of my, at my own business. So I'm always, you know, I got it. It's all fine. It's not, you know, how did you sort of, block that out, take it as a great assault, just, hey, they love me, they're just looking out for me. But, but I think it's important, how, how did you manage it? Because so many people get discouraged by that, if, you know? So how did, how did you kind of manage that? that, that, that well, you know, they knew that this was gonna make me happy in a way, mm -hmm. or at least that's what I thought and they thought. And then, you know, the hard moments came, so. <laughs> but no, jokes aside, it's, you know, they, they, they knew it was something that I really wanted to do. So in the moment they see somebody so determined, hey, I'm gonna do this. I think if you're good parents or good friends or good family, mm -hmm. they're going to get behind you. Yeah. And yeah. they're going to tell you, look, regardless what you're trying to do, regardless the fact that I cannot understand it, <laughs> it feels like you're sure about it. It feels like 
going to make you happy. So just go for it. And, sure. uh, and that was, that was important. It was important to make, to make them understand that it was important for me. And it was important for them to send me a good message, which would give me the push to actually do it. Sure. That's awesome. Let's flip a little bit back over to, to the campaign. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, as you guys are kind of getting ready to launch and that sort of stuff, what are you looking for in terms of who your audience is? Like, how, how are you trying to define them, think about them? Because again, I think that's a huge thing in the crowdfunding space is really actually knowing who would buy your thing, right? Like, it's not, because most people are like, everybody would buy this. Anybody who uses a water bottle would buy it. And I would say, well, you know, yeah, so how did you exactly. guys sort of, sort of think about, and if there's any tools or research you did, how did you sort of identify, we think this is our audience that's going to, who's going to support this? Yeah, I think it's, uh, it's important to also consider that this is crowdfunding, right? So mm-hmm. by definition, your audience is going to be a crowdfunding audience. Right. So for me, that was the biggest mindset shift first. Because, you know, as again, I go back to what I was doing before, which is sh- selling shampoo, you know, a shampoo that everybody literally could buy. Everybody would hear. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Yeah. Well, I used to. Uh, I had the children and they just, the hair yeah, just no, falling out over and over and over. No, but what I'm trying to say is you're really trying to speak to the whole population when you're talking about a shampoo that you can get into a supermarket. When you talk about a product which is somewhat innovative, that you need to pre-buy on a crowdfunding platform, which most people don't even know what it is, mm-hmm. you're kind of narrowing them down to a very small single-digit percentage of the population. So for me, that was the first step on knowing the audience because I, I had in mind a certain profile of what my consumer would look like, but that consumer, it's maybe for the next phase. It's mm-hmm. not for the crowdfunding one. So that, that for me was the biggest realization. And you know, speaking to the marketing agencies, especially the one that I brought on board, um, that was the thing, you know, they're like, you need to go after people that, you know, are, um, kind of used to buying crowdfunding that right. they will know how it works and they will, uh, kind of fall for it in, in, in a way. And now within that, of course, you can start building some more specific audiences of people that are more sustainability involved. So mm-hmm. uh, in, in the case of our product, there were different ways of going about it. You could go into the tech side, you could go into the. Uh, hydration side so like wellness sport and all that and then there was the sustainability side you know the real drive and motivation where we were doing this was the sustainability one Uh, and so we uh, intentionally decided to focus on that kind of audience as opposed to the other ones we did try the other ones as well so Mm -hmm. there were good results associated perhaps with the with the wellness one Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah the sustainability one was the one that we mainly went after yeah that's awesome you know one of the things too i thought that was intriguing on this is how did you know, when you're putting out your page, what are you thinking in terms of, you know, we just mentioned that you're kind of thinking about that audience. Now, how are you starting to kind of imagine what this looks like visually to people, right? So, you know, photos, videos, gifts, what, what are you starting to imagine? We need to tell this story through this content to ultimately, you know, to hit the person that, we're, that you're describing, right? So how do you start to sort of formulate what that plan starts to look like? Yeah, well, I would start from the fact that people have such a low attention <laughs> attention span right now, right? So you try to go to focus a lot on on, on pictures uh, because they they're gonna tell much more than uh, than a thousand words, and so that's why GIF I find are incredibly important in a crowdfunding space mm-hmm. because in a very very short couple of seconds you can tell a lot of things about your product, the way it works, the way it looks, the kind of consumer is gonna use it, uh, which it would take you a full page to describe. So. As you're saying, you know, in order to get back to your question, 
I think you want to imagine what the identity of the brand looks like. And so we actually use the help of a graphic designer to design what the logo will look like, what the colors would look like. And then you kind of define what are the hard and soft points. So the hard points being like, what kind of colors am I going to use? What kind of font am I going to use? Uh, what kind of balance of images versus um, words am I going to use? And you're trying to come up with something which you know looks nicely put together. Um, again, images and GIFs um, need to play a very important role because I believe that's really the way to communicate into, into a crowdfunding page. And, and the video needs to go along with it as well. Mm -hmm. And you know, we went for a pretty different approach for the video, but um, it just because we, we wanted to send a very strong message on the problem and on what we were trying to do about the problem. So uh, we went much more into telling around the problem rather than focusing right into the solution like a lot of the other videos are doing. Right. We may be paying the consequences in that sense, you know, we may have gone further in terms of sales if we hadn't, um, but we really felt that there was something important to communicate to, to the people that would be interested in our product. Sure, sure. And, and for my listeners, we actually didn't really chat about this. I mean, right now you've got about seven days to go when we're recording this. So this will come out probably about, you know, uh, early next week, you know, so you're sitting at just under, I'm in US dollars, mind you as well. So you're looking at just under about 70,000. But I think the number that's really intriguing is about you have just you have 599 backers right now so you have a lot of people at this point really into this idea or a lot of insiders who are like i'm, I'm in I, I really like this idea so you know is that is some of these numbers where your campaign is is that internally what you kind of thought you'd be in that ballpark like are you guys feeling like this is a major success or just a success or are you guys still envisioning like it's doing exactly what we wanted it to do where's kind of the the temperature for the for the whole yeah. team and stuff I mean, we're happy. We're very happy with the results because like you say, we got a lot of backers. I think we got them from 55 different countries. Wow. So you see also the, the thing, you know, the, the concept is resonating with people all over the world. Mm -hmm. Now, I also have to say there is, there's been a lot of limitations with this campaign because we're touching a social issue. Right. And so I don't know how much you know, but Facebook changed their advertising policy a couple of months ago. Oh yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we're paying the consequences big time. I mean, maybe that that's that's a bit of an exaggeration right. but we are they're making our life more complicated mm -hmm. because pretty much i would say 50 percent of our ads would get blocked mm -hmm. uh 25 uh so they would get blocked before even launching 25 yep. percent would get blocked while they're on mm -hmm. and the other 25 percent would keep on running so yeah you know crowdfunding has become more and more dependent on uh, on digital marketing and therefore the fact of not being able to run ads the way you wish you could run ads uh, it, it is a penalization for, you know, when you, when you want to grow much further the campaign um, in the way that that has been kind of consolidated mm -hmm. way of doing it on crowdfunding. Yep. Yeah. So it's anyway. pretty, yeah. It, it, we had that, that Facebook ad just bit us. I mean, and we had a client that we knew we, we knew we were going to have an issue, but he didn't fill out his paperwork correctly. And we thought he, we were all approved to run, you know, uh, what uh, uh, political ads or, or ads yeah, that are sensitive. Right. Right. And, uh, you know, we get our campaign going and then everything's getting shut down. And then what we realized too is those ads then get like um, tagged. Somehow they get tagged in, in the algorithm of their system. So you can't actually ever, ever use those graphics again or anything we would put up after we got approved would still get disapproved. And I'm like, what is going on? And you realize you're fighting an algorithm. And so, but, but I think this is an important thing. Like, like my scenario, the client was completely distraught, blamed us as if we're Facebook. You guys, it looks like have taken it with a grain of salt and said, listen, this is what it is. It's, it's, it's how the world works. We don't control uh, it. You know, how do, yeah, how do we pivot I mean, and still be successful? You know, it's, it's not easy. And of course, yeah. uh, I'm not going to give you the, the, the hard version. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, it's, we knew about it. 
we knew about it when we launched. So yeah. we knew it was going to be a problem. The agency told us it was going to be a problem as well. Um, but we thought we would find ways of, uh, of getting around it. I mean, if you're not so explicit on what you're trying to do, you may still be able to get around mm -hmm. it. And, and we're doing that. Yeah. Now, if, uh, you know, if anybody needs to run a project in this space, I think they, they, they just need to be careful and, and just be aware. I think yep. it's a matter of not being caught by surprise. At least we were not, which mm -hmm. is good. Right. Yeah. Um, I thought we'd be able to run a bit more than what we're running. That, that I will tell you as well. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're trying to find a balance. Right. Well, at this point, you know, when, when you guys sit back, you know, let's just say eight days from now, when you guys are sitting back, you know, what do you think is going to be the biggest attribute as to why this campaign is successful? What do you think the core is? And then how are you taking that core into another product line or Amazon sales or wherever you guys go next? How do you take that sort of core that you're learning from right now and moving forward with it? Yeah, well, I would say the core is the reason why we started a project in the first place, which is trying to do something about a problem that a lot of people are, are aware and they don't know what to do about mm -hmm. it, which is plastic waste. And so we have tried to create a product which is an alternative to what a lot of people are still using, which is plastic, plastic water bottles. Um, but we're giving that extra twist and that extra motivation to do this, this habit change, which is the the contribution by funding the collection of one bottle every time you're drinking from our smart bottle. And I think this, this one-to-one, -one, this uh, sustainable impact, this, you know, driving a continuous action as people are using the bottle, I think these are all elements that people are liking a lot. Um, and those are the ones on which we're going to keep on focusing our brand zone. They're going to be the main axis of the communication around the brand, I would say. That's cool. Tell me a little about, or well, Pretend I, um, I, I'm calling you for advice on crowdfunding. What are you telling me to, to prepare for, to get ready for? You know, how are you guiding me to have a successful campaign if somebody called you? Yeah, well, do your homework, first of all, meaning crowdfunding is not something you do from one day to the other. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know you know as Jeff. But yeah, yeah, the, I know. Yeah, the, the imaginary Jeff, yeah, <laughs> right. the imaginary Jeff who doesn't, well, I think you need to do a lot of homework because you need to understand that it's, it's different from, from anything else. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the fact crowdfunding, you know, you want to build your crowd, you want to build an audience before, you want to get your mailing list right, you want to get some people that are getting excited with a Facebook secret group or whatever it is. Yep. So that in the moment that you launch, you're going to get that kind of traction that will get the, your campaign to be fully funded in a very short time, you know, the shorter, the better. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, and then potentially even use that as a marketing tool later on to show right. how successful you were. And so for me, yeah, pre-campaigning is, is one of them, you know, spending a lot of good time on defining the product, testing it before, understanding what resonates better with consumers um, through the smoke testing, through, you know, just running some ads to see which ones are are getting more most clicks um, on your web page or whatever mm -hmm. it is. Yep. Then getting it right in terms of communication material, like spend your time getting the video right, sending the right message in that video, and get the, um, the you know the campaign description to do the same job that your video is doing, but just adding more more layers of communication, adding more visuals, adding more more specifics that people may not be able to grab from uh, from the from the video you're putting out, and then you know, uh, get your marketing right. You know, unfortunately, I, you know, this much better than I do, but I think the crowdfunding world used to be a bit different a few years ago where yeah. word of mouth and, uh, and your placement on the Indiegogo or Kickstarter page would kind of set the success of your campaign. I think now that that can be something which is good enough for getting your campaign off on the first couple of days. But then if you don't actually put the media money uh, to reach consumers that are going to convert and buy your product, 
you may be left with your friends, family, and a few other people that have yeah. discovered you through the algorithm, but not much more than that. Yeah, yeah we've, we've, I think for us, I mean, we're, you know, we've been doing this 10 years. That's the biggest change for us, especially in the last three is just, it is so dependent on the, you know, your ad budgets, you know, and getting those to convert, you know, the friends and family really is only going so far, you know, anymore. And it's just, yeah. it's just what it is. And the platforms I think have lost a lot of weight in terms of the internal community supporting a bunch of campaigns. I think we're just, we're probably, you know, that, that's just not happening anymore. I think that's long gone right now. Um, so, you know, so you are over on Indiegogo. Was there a conversation between Indiegogo and Kickstarter as to why you chose one or the other? Yeah, yeah, there was. There was. I mean, to be honest, we're gonna we're gonna go with Kickstarter first, mm -hmm. but then a few factors got us to shift on Indiegogo, which is, uh, I'll tell you what what they are. I mean, on one side, the Indiegogo team was very much available and supportive on, you know, giving us arguments why we should go with them, but also mm -hmm. support us with uh, with a few things like a newsletter. Um, we are based in Switzerland, which means that on Kickstarter we would have been on on Swiss franc. Mm -hmm. which can be a bit of a killer for people that don't know the currency. Yep. Uh, whereas in the case of Indigo, we were able to set the campaign in euros, which is, again, not US dollars, but still something that people are, are a bit more used to seeing. And then the other thing is, we really wanted to run the campaign this year. And we were not ready to do that before mid-November, mm -hmm. which is virtually the worst time you can run a campaign on crowdfunding. <laughs> <laughs> and so in trying to get around this, all these limitations of running during that time, uh, we thought that Indiegogo with secret perks and a few other features would enable us to do, you know, a better job of maximizing Black Friday, Christmas, New Year's resolution, right. whatever those things are, which otherwise Kickstarter gives you less flexibility in doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think all that makes sense. I mean, I think you made a very smart choice because, you know, if, if I was sitting on the side making those decisions, I'd go, we've got more options here because Kickstarter is great. It has its place too, but it's a, to us, even right now, like Kickstarter is becoming kind of an old platform. I mean, nothing has changed on it in 10 years, the no pixel code. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Know, I mean, that one for me is like, man, I'm doing so much in Facebook ads. The fact that you won't give me, which really right now is like a core basic principle for any anything you're working on. If you don't have that pixel in, it's like flying right. blind. It's like, oh, right. yeah, I agree. we'll yeah. get there. We'll land the plane somehow. Um well, cool. Well, well, okay. So, you know, you got seven days to go uh, when we're talking. Um, so when people are listening to this, you probably have, you know, four to five days to go, you know, after the money starts to drop and, and, and you're, you know, you've got all that in place, what starts to happen? What does the next year look like? Um, what, what's that timeline look like for people? Yeah, it looks intense the next year, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thing is to actually kind of design your product and get to prototype. The other thing is to actually produce it. And I don't have that much of expertise in producing hardware, but some of the people that I'm working with do have some, or more than I do mm -hmm. at least. And, uh, you know, they keep on giving me, hey, watch out, you know, this is going to be tough. This is going to be intense. And, right. uh, and so I'm, I'm preparing for the worst, to be honest. So mm -hmm. the next couple of months, uh, the next few months actually are going to be focused on that. Um, so traveling to China, figuring out uh, how to integrate the technology into the cap, uh, material choices, and, uh, and a few other things that will uh, enable us to deliver a very high quality um, product, mm -hmm. uh, but still very mindful of the reason why we're doing this, which is do something for the planet or, and for the environment. So we also need to be very, very careful with material choices, with recyclability of what we're using, um, with the standards of work and labor of the, of the partners we're working with. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, we, we've been doing a lot of this work, but I think the next few months are going to get into, you know, rolling up our sure. sleeves and, and actually getting to do it. Um, so we're going to be able to get a prototype in the next, I would say around end of March, we should be able to get like, like a real production mm -hmm. prototype. Right. And then 
you know, alpha testing, beta testing, development of the app, which is going to happen in parallel, all the back, uh, back office kind of, uh, kind of mm -hmm. dynamics. And then, you know, hopefully be able to ship the product uh, as soon as possible to our backers. That's cool. Well, walk me out. I mean, that, so that's a big year right there. Um, it is. Walk me out maybe three to five years from now for, for like a vision you have of the whole company. Like, is this something that you're making multiple products all in this space or you're just making this yeah. one and then moving on? What, what, what do you kind of envision for, for the future? Well, you know, funnily enough, to answer your question, I think I should just tell you the name of the company. We call the company the Recompany. Mm -hmm. And so the Recompany and Rebo is the first product, which is our re bottle our right. invented bottle so the idea we really have is to reinvent common products to have a positive and sustainable impact so you know the bottle is the first step we definitely want to do it right we want to make it big because there is a very big opportunity behind it uh, but then yeah it is very likely that we're going to go into other products we're going to try to reinvent other common products mm -hmm. And, uh, and I hope we're going to be successful both in making Rebo a very big success, uh, but also at diversifying into, into other kind of products. And, you know, making Rebo a big success means that we're finally going to see the sales of plastic water bottles going down. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a happy change that is spreading everywhere, not just, you know, in the U.S., I guess you're pretty good already at carrying around your water bottle, but a lot of other countries are not as good. So there is a lot to be done in that space. And and we hope that, you know, with what we're offering with Rebo, we're going to give enough motivation to people to make that change and to make that switch and carry the bottle with you all the time. Well, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, you know, thinking that the U.S. is better at it. You know, so I'm outside of Detroit. If, if you ever want to, I don't know if you ever heard about what happened here in Flint, Michigan, is where they didn't, we haven't invested in our uh, uh, water systems in 50, okay, 60 no, years. I, I was not aware. Yeah. So do a Google of that because Elon Musk came in and basically paid out of his own pocket to fund all our water filtration systems. So kids in school can literally drink water that's not full of lead. Huge, huge story here in Michigan. And the solution that we've had now for about three years is that people can just go pick up bottled water. At, you know, so we're going through, you might, you might, I think you mentioned a million a minute. We might be doing that just in Flint, Michigan alone. Here, wow. you know, and we're in the Great Lakes. We're surrounded by water, right? So it's like That's the paradox. Yeah. So you're looking at like the, like the solution is to just continue to bring bottled water. You know, twenty ounce ice mountain bottled waters. Plast. I mean, oh, it's just like come on. There has to be better solution than this. Uh, so yeah, that's something here locally that's just been mind-boggling. Um, and then and then to know that like our government doesn't fix the problem, you you wait for Elon Musk to come in and fix it. You know, it's just crazy. Yeah. Well, at least somebody's doing something. Somebody's you know, doing something. You're right. You're right. Right. Look at the positives. Just look at the yeah. positives. Um, well, cool. Well, how can people, um, you know, kind of prog uh, follow your progress online? Stay in touch. Obviously, they can go to Indiegogo to to become a backer. But yeah, how can how can they kind of follow what you guys are doing and, and stay in touch? Well, I think, you know, becoming a backer is the best thing you can do because you're going to get all the updates. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, over the next few months, I don't think we're going to be as public as everything that's, that's happening other than the backers that, mm -hmm. you know, all yeah. have a right to know what's going right. on. But, um, we have, you know, we created a, um, a Facebook secret group on mm -hmm. um, before the campaign, which we're doing as, as, a, as a kind of pre-campaign engagement tool. Uh, so that's definitely something that we're going to keep alive. Uh, we are, we're going to be on LinkedIn as well. Uh, you know, on LinkedIn, we're going to be posting things regularly. So I guess that's, that's where people can follow us. And, and, oh yeah, by the way, sorry, Instagram as well. Okay. We have an account with uh, 3000 something followers. Um, and uh, hopefully they're going to become much more, <laughs> especially if the listeners would, would join and yes. follow our yeah. 
Awesome. Awesome. Well, Pierre, again, like I said, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. This is a, a really great project. Um, it's not just another, you know, tech widget thing out there. It really does have a, have a great meaning behind it, great purpose behind it. And uh, I think you guys have, have done a great job of uh, going out and swinging the bat at the campaign and doing really well on it. So again, kudos to you and uh, good luck over these next seven days and hopefully you can get a lot more backers. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Thanks so much, man. All right. How about that conversation with Pierre? Again, Pierre, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, talk about your uh, Indiegogo campaign. And hopefully all you listeners out there got a ton of amazing advice because we really broke down a lot of stuff and a lot of ways to think about how these campaigns uh, become successful and kind of what you have to be thinking about uh, and all the ups and downs, all the hurdles. So again, Pierre, thanks so much again. So if you're interested, make sure you go over to Indiegogo right now. Just type in Rebo, that's R-E-B-O, Smart Bottle, and you can help clean the planet as you drink. All right, everybody. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We will have another one coming up right before the holidays, right before Christmas here. And um, I hope you guys all are doing well. Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Leave us a review. Tell your friends and family. Or again, go over to the woodshed, woodshed.agency. You can listen there, read our blogs, reach out, connect with us. We'd love to, we'd love to know what's going on with your, uh, in your guys' land. All right, everybody. Hope you guys all enjoy. Enjoy the music as on, on the outro. And I'll talk to you all next week. Love for you never stops.